Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Laura Brodnick and she's decided to come back to the podcast. <laughs> Hello, I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. I am back and I am 30 now. <laughs> I was going to ease you into that. I was going to say she's been off gallivanting, she's been to Fashion Week and she had a very massive birthday while you were away. It's only massive because you were stressed about it. Yeah, I know. Otherwise, turning 30 wouldn't be a big deal. But the thing is, I'm not stressed about being 30 and like I don't see that as like old age or anything yeah, yeah. but I'm stressed about the fact that I was supposed to be stressed about it that like society tells happens. me I have yeah. to be stressed so I was like oh I, I'm remember stressed in the lead up to your birthday I kept saying like you'll be so stressed and you'll feel so weird and the day after mm. you'll just think oh everything's normal and 30 is quite young and it's fine but yeah. you need to have that breakdown before your birthday yes uh, so now I'm what like a lot wiser is that what happens Nothing's I mean, changed, honestly. I feel like something needs to change. I don't think you have change. a personality change as you get older. This is what we were saying in the Madonna no. episode yesterday, which is a weird link between you and Madonna, but I don't think your actual personality changes as you get older. So you can still like all the same stuff. Well, today we do have someone I feel like appeals to all generations. How was that segue? Mm-hmm, we are talking about Lizzo because she is Vanity Fair's new cover star. The photos are incredible. They say on the cover line that they're going to talk about everything and they really do. There is so much packed into this interview. So many big reveals. We're going to go through all of that. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Okay, so kicking things off today with a horror movie trailer that has gone viral. It is for James Wan's latest killer doll film, Megan, but Megan is spelt with a three. Okay, I'm glad you said that out loud because I got emailed the trailer from the studio (laughs) this morning and I was like, how do I pronounce this? So it is a sci-fi horror following Gemma, a robotics engineer at a toy company who is played by Alison Williams of Get Out slash Girls fame. She builds a lifelike doll designed to be a kid's best friend. So not a good start. That should not be a thing. No. (laughs) (laughs) So her niece then is orphaned and Gemma takes over looking after her. And so Gemma introduces her to the Megan prototype to help with companionship. Katie, you lost your parents. Welcome home. You're my niece. I'm going to do everything I can to make this place feel like home. Just wish I could see them again. I have this project at work. Do you want to see? Yes. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. 
It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? <laughs> so it's just incredibly creepy. Obviously, this then, you know, goes horribly wrong. And the trailer shows Megan dancing and stabbing someone, unsure, like, if she dances before the stabbing or after. Like, it's Is unclear. that what you've been singing all morning in a creepy voice? Yeah, so it's become a viral sensation because in the trailer <laughs> there is a lot of dancing from this weird doll. It's very strange. It's also gone viral because Megan the Stallion, who obviously shares the name Megan, <laughs> she tweeted, not being biased, but I think they made this movie for me I will be the first in line to see Megan and then she said Annabelle bitch you're over which is just (laughs) so so good the trailer also has a song called it's nice to have a friend by Taylor Swift it's like a very deep cut and it's like a horror remix so everyone's really liking that and the dance scenes have been remixed all over Twitter and TikTok with lots of different songs so some Beyonce some Megan the Stallion some Taylor it's just so funny I'm obsessed with it (laughs) so if you see a creepy doll dancing across your timelines this is why so Megan, with a three, arrives in cinemas on January 12th. So in news that warmed my millennial pop-punk emo-loving heart, <laughs> Blink-182, as in the band's original trio, Mark Hoppus, Travis Barker and Tom DeLonge, have reformed and they are releasing new music and touring the world, including a big arena tour here in Australia in early 2024. So this is a big deal for a number of reasons. The band have been active in different forms over the past few years, but this is the first time that the original trio have been together again for almost a decade. It's kind of a momentous reunion for a number of reasons. So Mark Hoppus underwent treatment for cancer in 2021. He actually revealed it accidentally when he posted a photo of himself getting chemo to his public Instagram story rather than his close friends. But then he was super candid about his experiences, his fears, his kind of like journey throughout coming to terms with that. And then he announced he was cancer free in September 2021 and would be screened every six months in case of recurrence. So that's just like a really nice sort of like warming part of the story. And then there's Travis Barker. Travis Barker Kardashian, is that what he goes Yes, let's call him that. (laughs) So Blink-182 had a pretty tumultuous 2000s. They went on hiatus in 2005 and then the members didn't talk for a few years until 2008 when Travis Barker was involved in a major plane crash which killed four people. So, you know, there's a lot that we know about this. He was in hospital for 11 weeks. He had 16 surgeries and he developed pretty severe PTSD, which he said was exacerbated by the deaths of his friends on board. Quite famously, due to his PTSD, Travis Barker didn't fly on a plane for more than a decade, which meant he missed a lot of touring that the band did because he would famously only travel by like car or boat. And then in 2021, he famously said he wanted to overcome the fear and he did so in August 2021 on a flight with Courtney. So now we're at the point where on this news today, everyone is posting like, I never thought I'd say like, thank you, Courtney Kardashian, but that's what's happened. I saw even friends of mine from high school who I feel like haven't even thought of this band since (laughs) we were 17, tagging like the announcement and sharing Mm. it. And they were all saying, thank you, Courtney Kardashian. And I guess it made me think of that photo when Travis and Courtney, remember how when they first got together, they were posting those really, I mean, they still post them, but we're very desensitized (laughs) to them now, really make out photos. But Mm. there was one like in front of a plane, he was holding her in the air and saying, I just took my first flight or something like that with you anything is possible oh why do you remember that it was really cute I just remember it because it was such a big deal because like he had been so open about the PTSD and like you know the fact that he wanted to overcome it he said that in an interview like a couple of months before this happened so everyone was like oh he's gonna try like Courtney you know he loves her so much they're gonna try together blah 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 
And then they did it and everyone was like, claps. Yeah, that is very cute. I'm not making fun of that sentiment. That's obviously lovely. I was (laughs) making fun of you specifically for remembering it. Well, hey, yeah, that does say a lot about my brain. So have you already (laughs) gone onto the site to pre-book your tickets for the Australian tour? No, but I absolutely will be. This is like Blink-182 have so many bangers. It was like such a moment in time as well, you know? And I saw someone calling them the most overrated band of our generation. Well, they're kind of a meme. Like because of the like Southern Californian sort of drawl that comes through in Tom's singing, it's just like funny, but like good funny. <laughs> well, I know small things, right? That's their all the main small things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, all the small things <laughs> played at the end of Charlie's Angels over the credits. Mm-hmm. What's their other big song? So there's like, what's my age again? Which you'd know that one, surely. What's my age? I should not sing. What's no, no. My age again? What's my age again? Oh no, I don't. But I've got a real blank spot and when like, it comes to music. I miss you, which is like. I'm sorry. Oh, God, I can't. I can't. No, I'm just loving you. Like It's like you want to tell me so badly, but you don't want to sing. Yeah. And the anguish going on your face right then as you try to figure out what to do. Look, after this, I'll come over to your desk with my Spotify and we'll go through it all. All right. What a, what a moment for me, everyone. So alongside the upcoming tour and album, Blink-182 will also release a new song called Edging, fairly on brand, on Friday. <laughs> So Lizzo is Vanity Fair's new cover star and both the cover image and the photo shoot that's inside the magazine are absolutely incredible. We're not a fashion podcast. I've got to make a sound or recording or something for that. Technically, Laura, I was at Melbourne Fashion Week on Monday. That's true. And might be. I'm on our fashion podcast this week, maybe next week. I don't know. But like, so we have some fashion cred, but I just, it doesn't track. Okay. Just so you know. However... The photos of Lizzo are amazing. We're going to put some on our Instagram page so you can see them. There's one where it, she's wearing like an octopus skirt. It's Ursula, totally. It's Ursula that, from The Little Mermaid. Well, that's what I thought too, but she very infamously auditioned for that part in the it. new Little Mermaid live action mm. movie and lost out to Melissa McCarthy. And Melissa McCarthy was like, how did I get a singing role over <laughs> you? But it's obviously more of an acting role. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, is she trolling Disney? I would love that. I don't know, but I need Lizzo's poor unfortunate souls like yes. today. We'll put the photos on the Instagram. So... The title of the article is Lizzo is here to talk about all of it. That flute, that lyric, her man and more. And when they say she's here to talk about all of it, she really does. This is such an in-depth interview. And it's interesting too that it hasn't really been picked up by a lot of sites. I mean, people are saying Lizzo looks amazing. Mm. She's talking about her boyfriend, which is boiling it down to a really not the most important thing. But she talks so in-depth about so many issues. But I think because there's not like a really clickbaity takeaway, it's not being picked up as much as maybe previous interviews have but we're gonna go through it all because we were both very enthralled by everything she had to say one of the interesting parts of the interview is that she talks about her relationship with social media and they note in Vanity Fair that she engages with more than 25 million TikTok followers and almost 13 million on Instagram and in talking about the backlash they talk about the fact that in June she got some backlash for including an ableist slur so the word spaz in the lyrics of her song Girls and she ended up changing the lyric and this is the first big kind of in-depth interview that she's done since that happened it's not just public backlash but by hearing that public conversation is mm. what pushed her to examine the lyric change and she said in the interview I'd never heard it used as a slur against disabled people never ever the music I make is the business of making people feel good and being authentic to me 
Using a slur is inauthentic to me, but I did not know it was a slur. It's a word I've heard a lot, especially in rap songs and in my black circles. It means to go off, turn up. I used it as a verb, not a noun or an adjective. I used it in the way that's used in the black community. The internet brought it to my attention, but that wouldn't have been enough to make me change something. Even Nina Simone changed lyrics. Mm. Is she not an artist? Language changes generationally. Nina Simone said, you cannot be an artist and not reflect the times. So I am not being an artist and reflect the times and learning, listening to people and making a conscious change in the way we treat language. Yeah, and I find this really interesting from a music perspective as well because it comes, and these are very different sort of stories, but I guess similar in the sense that there's like a wider discussion happening about them. So there's like the Lizzo Beyonce lyric changes and then you have Paramore who for a number of years did not perform Misery Business, their biggest hit because of the whore line yeah, essentially. Yeah. And Hayley Williams had spoken a lot about feeling guilt, like feminist guilt around that and so for a number of years they didn't perform it and then famously like about a week and a half ago they brought it back because fans were like, we love this song you know we can kind of acknowledge that it's problematic and you can still perform it and so I think this is an ongoing discussion that is going to happen in music a lot you've got tension Mm. happening between wider conversations particularly online and then art as an art form that maybe is of its time. She's referencing a lot of different musicians in the article when she's talking about this and I think it's something that's particularly tricky for musicians Mm. because as she's saying art should reflect changes and as conversations change the art that we make over different generations changes but I think it's something that is maybe going to affect musical artists so much more because there's so much language in like old movies and TV shows that wouldn't fly today but you go back and watch that as a single experience where those people are not live performing for you so you can remove a bit more but with an artist they can be performing the same song for 20 30 years and that's when it becomes problematic like you're saying with Paramore or with Beyonce getting up on stage or like people are saying Eminem should change his lyrics Mm. and you know if he comes out and performs them now it's like you're performing it with that new thought in your head it can't be a throwback so it's almost like musical artists have been held to a very different standard. It is really interesting. I think that Lizzo is the best example of how to handle it, to be honest. Like, I think her acknowledging, you know, that wasn't my intention, but I hear you and I'm going to make changes and, you know, reflect on it and, like, learn. Because she was really like, I learned a lot from that experience. And I think that is really all we can ask. And I thought it was interesting in kind of coming off the back of that conversation, they went into a different part about her really reading all the feedback from her fans on social media accounts. And it's so interesting because I think that you can have some big A-list performers who say like, oh, no, no, I don't Google myself. Mm. I don't read comments. I'm not on social media. Like we've seen this big push of like younger artists like Selena Gomez and Tom Mm -hmm. Holland saying, I absolutely do not have social media. Jennifer Lawrence is like, I could not tell you what anyone on the internet is saying about me. But Lizzo, who has such a huge following, it's interesting that she goes the other way and she not only posts on her own social media but it sounds like she reads not everything but quite a lot of it and she talks about seeing the comments that float to the top of her post obviously because they're the ones getting the most engagement which means they're the most negative ones and she talks about some particular insults that she's seen people write in her Instagram account that have just completely broken her down and destroyed her she doesn't say what they are and her reason for that is interesting because she said I don't want to say it out loud because then people will know 
what really hurt me. And it's almost like she's like, I don't want to give you as the public any more weapons against me. And then she said in the interview, people have been calling me fat my entire life, but this was the first time seeing an insult of how I looked, who I am, and all of my music wrapped into one, and that really hurt me. And if one person says it and then another person says it, it multiplies like a fucking virus. And then she goes on to say that she was sitting in her makeup chair getting ready for like you know for a performance and she like literally broke down in tears and she said there's been so many times I've been in glam I guess she's like you're there for a long time you can't really do anything else but look at your phone Mm -hmm. so this is when she's seeing all these bad comments when she's getting ready for big events or for filming and she said she ends up having to like leave the glam room and like leave the makeup trailer and go and cry privately because that's when she has a moment to look at what her fans are saying about her which is just so completely devastating like I know we always talk about the fact about certain celebrities Mm. seeing public comments and having a breakdown but to see someone who's like at Lizzo's level and who everyone holds up as this beacon of positivity yeah breaking down the makeup chair every time she reads her social media comments that's pretty confronting that's horrible you know like you said we have these celebrities who are just sort of like hands off on social media but then on the other hand you have a Lizzo even like a Doja Cat does quite similar so Lizzo said in this interview that she then went live on Instagram or TikTok or whatever it was like while she was crying and kind of like spoke to the fans and I think it's interesting and I don't really have an opinion on what is better I think it's probably down to the individual and their own mental health but it's interesting that there's sort of like the clap back or like you know confronting it head on or like bury your head in the sand it's just interesting that there's two different approaches to social media and both of them are like not great like social media is just toxic like you can't win I think it comes down to depending what kind of art that you want to make in a way going back to the lyric change there's someone like I'm just thinking like a Jennifer Lawrence who just like I cannot ever look Mm. at social media it will destroy me who can go off and make movies and kind of exist in a vacuum but Lizzo's saying that she's a live performer but she also wants her music to reflect what people are saying she made her clothing line because she was seeing people online saying I want great clothes but they don't fit me we don't have size inclusive labels so she's like okay there's a market there for that she made her reality show that won an Emmy because she saw dancers and people who were on her online community saying I want to be a dancer but I'm plus size I can't even get my foot in the door for auditions no agency will rep me so I can't get to those auditions and that's why she made her tv show she's very reactive to her audience so it's almost like I'm sure a lot of people would say like well if you're crying you make a chair every day just don't look at your social media but then she's cut off from the conversation that fuels her career in music so it's almost like there's not an out for her that's so interesting maybe it's like not to frame it in a negative way but it's almost like the burden of being like revolutionary yes almost exactly like that's the price you pay for being reactive like that is that you have to sit with the bad and the good I mean there's so much of this interview we'll link it in the show notes because we could go forever but the other bit that's really interesting and this is what's making headlines is that she's talked about her relationship with Mike Wright who she describes as they say she describes (laughs) like Lizzo controls who he is as a comedian actor musician and artist and she said that she calls the news of people talking about their relationship absolutely bizarre because they didn't make an official red carpet appearance and the only online photo was taken with someone's iPhone but still she tells the publication I've known him for over six years. He's everything. We're just in love. That's it. I know, like, obviously being in love isn't the main thing, (laughs) but it's just really cute. And then she goes on to say that I'm here for monogamy. That's what I'm kind of into. I'm not in love with multiple partners. That is not it for me. He's the love of my life. We are life mates. Do I want to get married? If I start a business with him, she just goes off. I get married because that's when your finances come together. I like weddings. <laughs> like she just goes, it's so I funny. I like weddings. I would like to have an, a wedding 
over marriage, which is the best thing ever. Like no totally. one admits that. They're like, I don't know if I want to be married, but I just really want the party, party. and the dress. Yeah. And then really she just goes on to say that like he doesn't complete me. He's not my other half. I'm a whole. He's incredible. I'm incredible. But basically her just saying I would love to have a wedding but not a marriage is the greatest thing. I just love it. I feel like these days a lot of celebrity profiles and particularly musicians like the main pop girls especially. Yeah. Like they just don't really do them. And when they do they're super sanitized because social media is such an easy way of promo. And then you have like mobilization yeah, of fan yeah. bases which do your promo for you. And so this kind of profile just doesn't really happen anymore. She talks about everything and like it's kind of like word vomit what you yeah. just read out. Like it's not just the music, there's politics, there's body image, there's relationships, like all encompassing and like I don't know if it's projection, but it comes across as candid, yes. which we don't get anymore. Yeah, exactly. In these profiles. They're literally sitting, she just moved into her new house. There's no furniture. They're sitting in her like Lizzo's new empty mansion, having this really off the rails chat, which touches on I mean, she goes into like abortion laws and, and body image and performing live. There's so much in it. It's amazing. We will link it in the show notes so you can have a read. And here's to Lizzo having a wedding, but not a marriage. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. This episode of The Spill was produced by Laura Brodnick and Gia Moylan with audio production by Madeline Joanno. We'll see you at mamamia.com.au and on The Spill Insta. Bye. Bye.